0: This is Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell right here on Vertical Radio. Hey there and welcome to another episode of Leader Worth Following.
1: This is Matt Mizell, and every week we come to you with new interviews with different leaders from the community, from the country, all with different backgrounds, different passions, different strengths, but the one thing that they all have in common is that they love Jesus Christ. My hope from this show is that as you learn from other leaders that you too can become a leader who is worth following as you invite others to follow you as you follow Jesus. Tonight we're going to talk with one of my former pastors. He's the lead pastor of a church called Daybreak Church in Carlsbad, California. He and I have been on many runs together, we've cried together, we've laughed together, and he's just got a heart of gold. But I also know that he has the desire to honor Christ in all that he says and does. So tonight I'm pleased to introduce to you Jason Graves.
2: Thanks so much, Matt. Love, uh, love what you're doing and glad to be a part of it.
1: It's great having you on here because you're a leader who in, in my life has helped shape me and uh, helped make me who I am today. So, uh, so I'm thankful for having you on the show. Uh, for those of you who don't know you, Jason, uh, you're a personal friend of mine, but but, fill everybody in as far as who you are, what you're doing right now, and what your role is right now.
2: Sure. Uh, I don't know how far back you want me to go, but uh, I uh, am a third-generation pastor's kid from Southern California. I am married and have four kids. Two of them are in college. and. Two of them are still at home, and my wife and I have been the lead pastors of Daybreak Church in Carlsbad, which is uh, in San Diego, for uh, just under 15 years
1: now. 15 years. That's a long time. So you have a lot of insight as far as how to lead a church and how not to lead a church, I'm supposing we'll see
2: (laughs) (laughs) so far so good
1: (laughs) so so let me back it up a little bit you've been a you said third generation pastor what what was it for you to want to become a pastor what was your calling to ministry like for you Sure.
2: You know, I, I often get asked when people hear that my dad and my grandpa were both in ministry, it's like, well, is that just the family business? (laughs) And, um, you know, as well, because you're a pastor, um, it's not something you really just decide to pick up. Um, hopefully you have a, a, a sense of divine calling from God. And I really do believe in that. Um, my calling, uh, came in a pretty clear way at a very young age and people find their way into ministry and get called into ministry in a variety of ways. For me, it was, um, something that from a very early age, I felt that my life was meant to be used for God's purposes. And, um, when I was in fifth grade at a summer camp, uh, I had a pastor pray with me and give me some direction. And the very long story short is I left that camp in fifth grade thinking that, man, when I grow up, I'm supposed to be
1: a pastor. I felt like that's what I was supposed to do with my life. So you mentioned, Jason, a second ago that your life, you want your life to be used for God's purposes. Uh, I know you're not implying that only pastors can be used for God's purposes. So so talk a little bit more about that. For those who are not don't feel called to be a pastor, how can they use their life to be used for God's purposes too? I thought it was only the professional
2: Christians that were being used by God. Are there other people out there doing things? <laughs> 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 um, what I meant by being used for God's purposes is the giftings that I believe God placed in my life. To put it kind of bluntly, that I wasn't allowed to, or supposed to utilize those things for business endeavors or for, um, uh, and and this isn't again, true of everybody who's, who's in a a full-time ministry capacity as a pastor. Um, But I just felt, uh, and and there were a few times in my life where I tried to do some other things and uh, really have felt this kind of um, parameter, if you will, on my life to use what God has given me, in full-time ministry for the church. Um, Of course, everyone is called to be in ministry and to be on mission for the Lord um, with every thing they have and everything God has entrusted to them from, you know, the time they have their giftings, their finances. And um, you and I both know, we both lead churches that believe and teach that the the members are the ministers, not really the pastors. The pastors have a leadership gift to help equip the saints to go do the work of the ministry. But um, this is kind of an old school thought. But for me, the times I've tried to do things outside of if you will, the church world, I've really just had the Lord kind of nudge me back in lovingly, thankfully, he didn't have to yank me and it's true it's not not for everybody. I know it th- might even be a curveball for the way that most people think about is there kind of a hard line between quote unquote full time or vocational ministry or not. um you and I both know also that a lot of pastors um most pastors have Uh, are bivocational and the church and they serve maybe can't afford to pay them a full salary. And so they, they have other things
1: as well. You know, there's a lot of people that I've come across. I'm sure a lot of people you've come across in your, your not just 15 years in vocational ministry, but there's a lot of Christians and there's a lot of Christian leaders who sometimes haven't been trained in leadership and they don't have an understanding of what godly Christ-like leadership is. And what you just described, Jason, of equipping the saints, And what you're describing is a servant type of leadership where you're allowing others to do the ministry and you're you're equipping them to do the ministry. So talk a little bit about how how you can be a leader among leaders to other people to get them to do the ministry where it's not just professional, quote unquote, professional pastors or professional Christians that are doing all the work. But you're equipping other people to lead others. Talk a little bit about how you do that. How do you lead leaders? Leading leaders in the church world or you mean just in general? Just in general. Most of my
2: background and expertise if people would say that I lead it has to do primarily with the church world and so the first thing I always try to do is debunk the the myth that pastors or Christian leaders are you know uniquely um, you know, in God's favor or or have a different kind of uh, like some people, they they want to believe that Christian leaders like float two inches off the ground or maybe have a special in with God or things like that. And that I, I feel like you don't he, have that. I don't. I know oh. you do. But <laughs> I, I think do touch the ground. And I find that we have to debunk that myth quite a bit because. Um, A lot of people want to look up specifically to pastors and church leaders and kind of put them on a pedestal, um, which is really dangerous. And um, so leading leaders, I think, is the key versus leading volunteers. I always kind of cringe when I hear people refer to pastors uh, like leading the flock, you know, the people in your flock, it's like they're just a bunch of dumb sheep and we're the ones who know everything. And I think the key to leading leaders, and I think you've seen this, um, Matt, because we worked on staff together, is to try to get people on my team who are smarter than me, who are more experienced than me in their areas, and then don't try to tell them what to do in their area. Um, a lot of pastors feel like they have to be gifted in every area. And I think... Some pastors have a lot of gifting. Mine is pretty narrow and specific. And so I try to, um, for instance, right now, our leadership structure at our church, there's five of us that are a part of what we call our serve team. It's Churches would often refer to it as an executive team. And the guy who oversees our operations and our finances knows way more about that stuff than I do. Right. If you, you know, I'm a pastor, I was trained to, to exegete scripture and to preach. And, and um, so everyone who has a, a role on that serve team has a level of expertise beyond me in their area. And so when we are sitting at the table, making decisions in a meeting, it's like a rotating boss. If we're talking about finances or operations, that guy is the boss at that moment. And the rest of us are there to kind of support him and give feedback. Um, Our executive pastor at our church is a a leadership and organizational development guy. And so he's got a master's in organizational leadership. I do not. And so when we're talking about systems and discipleship and how to equip the people in our church to go do the work of the ministry, he's the boss. And, um, you know, sometimes the buck does have to stop with somebody overarching. And and that does land on me. But for the most part, I think a key to leading leaders, I've had people ask me before, like, Hey, how did you guys get, you know, great people on your team or what's your, your secret? And mine is just recruitment, like recruit and identify those who
1: are already doing a really good job in an area and see if you can convince them to be on your team. You must be pretty persuasive. You convinced me. I was there for five years. You know, honestly, Matt, I'm I'm not even joking. I do think that that's one of
2: my natural gifts that God gave me. And that is to, 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 to collect a team, to inspire people to continue pitching in and doing their best. And sometimes that means not getting in their way and overly stifling. Um, the gifts that they already have
1: yeah well and there's a level of humility that comes with that we've got to take a quick break for the radio station uh but we'll come right back and we're going to talk more with jason graves about humility and how to be a leader worth following
0: you're listening to leader worth following with matt Mizell, right here on vertical radio this is leader worth following with matt Mizell right here on Vertical Radio.
1: All right, we are back on KMI Vertical Radio with Jason Graves. Jason is a pastor, a lead pastor at a church called Daybreak Church in Carlsbad, California where it seems like a long time ago but I was on staff at that same church for five years. It was just under five years, Jason. And yeah. uh, you're you're one of my good friends and I'm thankful to call you one of my mentors as well. So again, Jason, thanks for hanging out with us today. We uh, we were just talking about before the break about the requirement of humility. And what you were saying, Jason, is that you, you have a gifting and assembling a team and oftentimes your team is comprised of people who you just said are smarter than you. <laughs> and so to, to build a team like that of people who are smarter than you in their respective areas, must require humility. So talk a little bit about that as far as, is that something that you've learned of, I, I need humility to build a team, or this is something you learned the hard way of you built a team and uh, you, you, uh, you weren't, or you were, you tried to be this, the one that had all the answers and that didn't work. Describe a little bit about how I got to the point where you wanted to build a team of people who are uh, more smart in their particular areas than you.
2: I, I became a lead pastor at age 26. Um, I pastored at uh, one church, uh, planted a church right before daybreak. And so at 26, you recognize pretty early on that there are a lot of people smarter than you and that you don't have all the answers, you know, and uh, not that I'm sure I have had and still have my fair share of arrogance at times that we all have to battle, but I, I, You know, one of the things I've done for for years, and I would like to say it's every day, but it's at least close to every day is pray for the Lord to keep me humble um, because I've watched other leaders who have the combination of humility and confidence, confidence in who God made them to be and who God made them not to be. (laughs) And the freedom that comes when you realize you don't have to always be the smartest one at the table in every category. You just kind of need to knock out your area and then release those other things to other people. And it really simplifies your life because you're not trying to prove yourself in areas that are not naturally a strong point to you or that you don't have experience in.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I know Steve Jobs was not a a Christian man. However, I read his bio a couple of years back, and what you're describing, Jason, is very similar to his mentality. Mm -hmm. He assembled a whole team of people who are brilliant in areas around him, and he, as as brilliant as oftentimes we look back and think about Steve Jobs and how he's created the iPhone and the iPad and built up Apple,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he mm-hmm. Uh, publicly professed that he was not the smartest one on the team. In fact, he was one of the, <laughs> the dumber ones on the team compared to who he had around him. And I think that's part of what made Apple so successful mm-hmm. was the, the fact that he had that, that, as you described, the, the humility and the confidence, humility to, to hire people that were smarter, but also the confidence to to have the assurance and uh, the strength to make those calls. Yeah. Jason, would you say, um, is there a conflict? Because when, when you mentioned humility and confidence, it almost seems like those things, those two things counteract with each other, Mm -hmm. but based on how you're describing it, there, there must be a balance and a blend of the two of having humility and confidence at the same time. So talk a little bit more about that. I mean, Not to get into semantics too much,
2: but there's definitely a a juxtaposition of humility and cockiness or arrogance or pride. But I think it's okay to be confident um, in the areas that you know you are gifted in. And gifts need to be developed, but most of us have some really natural abilities that it feels Good leading in it; it doesn't take as much effort as other people. Um, I'm going to quote my mom, who always told me, with regard to gifting, she said, "When you are gifted in an area, you can't and shouldn't take pride in it because it's a gift, which means someone gave it to you, Mm. and that someone implied is God. And God has given all of us gifts. Every single there is no person listening right now who does not have." Areas of gifting. It might be different than yours, Matt. It might be different than mine. But when you find out what your your where your gifts lie and your strengths, and usually those are the things that come pretty natural to us, um, then you can identify the areas that you aren't. And the confidence doesn't even necessarily come from your ability to do things. It comes from the fact that that God gifts everyone. And so I know the couple of things that God has gifted me in, and. Well, I mean, you worked with me long enough to know the areas I'm not gifted when I try to lead in those areas. It just makes life miserable for everybody.
1: Yeah, I was going to make a joke about running being one of those areas. But uh, then again, you <laughs> beat me in a race where I tore my <laughs> my Achilles or something. So I guess I'll stay quiet. <laughs> so uh, I want to I want to get into detrimental leadership in a second. But you mentioned something regarding everybody listening right now has a gift. Mm-hmm. Yet I've been around people and I know you've been around people that look at themselves and and they don't look at themselves necessarily as a victim, but they would tell you with assurance and positivity that they don't feel like they're gifted. Mm -hmm. Let me just, before we move on out of this, what would you say to them to encourage them? Ask people
2: around you what they think you are good at. And um, that's not perfect grammar dangling participle there, but ask your friends around you, Hey, what are the areas that you think I might be gifted in? And the people who know you, they can tell you they know it. Um, and you have to start with this conviction that God gifts everyone. Hmm. It's it, it's just a simple truth. And we we have an enemy that will lie to us, and our own self doubts will lie to us and say, "Well, I'm not good at anything," or I'm you know, and that usually comes from comparing with other people. Yeah. Right. You, you just because you're gifted. Um, doesn't mean you're going to be the best in the world at that thing, right? You might be a a gifted, let's say gifted with finances, but there's always Bill Gates out there, right? So um, you don't want to look at and compare. That will always make you feel like you aren't gifted. Mm. But ask the people around you. They usually have a pretty good handle on it.
1: Yeah, and probably are sensitive enough to to also... You know, speak truth to you in a gentle way, in a loving way, because they obviously they care for you. Yeah, it should be people who know you well,
2: who love you. Hopefully they like you and they're not trying to get back at you for something, right?
1: You're asking the <laughs> wrong person. Don't ask your enemies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we talked a, a few moments ago about the requirement and the necessity of humility in a in the leadership style that you're talking about. Uh, let's let's kind of switch the script a little bit and talk about the detriment. What's at stake when you choose to be the arrogant, prideful, egotistical leader who is, who is not what you're describing, Jason, not the humble leader, or the servant leader? What's at stake when we go a different direction with our leadership style? Oh, it's miserable for you and it's miserable for everybody else. Um,
2: and and hmm. people who... Believe the lie that they're smarter than like everyone in every category. I mean, it's ridiculous. Obviously, no one could be that way. But some of us tend to think that we might be smarter than most people in too many areas. And so, what happens is people don't flourish under your leadership, and so they go somewhere else. Um, they go somewhere where somebody's going to trust them and and give them the ability to say yes. Craig Rochelle, you and I both know is a great leader. He says you can have control or growth pick one. Hmm. And if if you're not willing to release control and empower other people to lead, then you will stifle the growth of your business, your organization, um and so that's that's the dance, the art if you will of leadership as well, I would say. But you know, I would I when I first started off um in in ministry in in my field, I was always leery of young, prideful, arrogant leaders. Because, well, you just don't want to be around them. They're know-it-alls. Nobody wants to be around a know-it-all. But um, what I learned is that over time, God, life, other people will often humble an arrogant young leader. If somebody is still in their fifties and sixties and they're arrogant, you know, that's that's rough. But I've learned to actually really enjoy being a part of the shaping of somebody who maybe has too much confidence or maybe thinks that they, you know, are a little, my grandpa would call it too big for their britches. <laughs> and because um, I found that God has a way like he does with you and with me of, of shaving off those areas of pride and arrogance. And the reason I'm actually more attracted to younger, arrogant leaders is, Is because I've also spent a lot of time with people where I've been poured, I've poured into them, um, specifically young men who are trying to maybe become a pastor on and and they never can gain the confidence. Mm. And so they lead out of insecurity or they just don't want to lead at all. They're afraid to take a a role of growth or responsibility. Yeah. You know, a few years ago, Matt, you took a massive step from going from a youth pastor to being the pastor of a really large church. And a lot of people are scared off by things like that. Hmm. So I guess you were just arrogant enough.
1: Or <laughs> <laughs> well, I had the right nudge. I had the right nudge. from other <laughs> So you mentioned a, a passion of, of, of pouring into and investing in leading and guiding shepherding young men. Uh, we haven't really talked about anchored man, but that's an, another ministry that's kind of housed in what you're already doing with, with the church. Talk a little bit about your desire and your passion, the vision that you have for anchored man.
2: Yeah. um, In the times in which we live, there will be some people who would say that um, my um, bent to focus on men is uh, almost sexist or, um, you know, leaving out half of the world. And so before I Talk about my emphasis on that. I also want to say uh, I'm I'm licensed and ordained from a denomination called Foursquare, which was founded by a woman. We have women pastors at at Daybreak Church um, where I lead, Uh, and so. But I found for me personally that God has given me the the mandate to raise up men to lead their families well, and to teach men to be servant leaders who lead and protect the people that God has entrusted into their life, their kids, their spouse, if they're married, um, the, the people around them at work. And what I've learned is that everyone benefits when the men are leading themselves well. And what I mean is kids are growing up in healthier homes. Wives um, are happier because they can trust their husbands and uh, And and then in a church or in a business, at work, wherever that man is is leading or influencing others, he becomes the kind of guy that other people can trust uh, and follow. So therefore, we spend a lot of time helping men um, understand how to lead
1: themselves and become leaders and protectors of people that God has entrusted to them. And from my vantage point, I know there's a couple of different trips and there's different events, retreats that you do for, for the men's ministry at Daybreak. And having participated in those, mm-hmm. you know, from my personal experience, some of those, I can remember some distinct moments specifically in my mind. And some of those moments were pivotal and life changing for me. And so I would presume that there's probably either some men or either other, other pastors from other churches listening right now that are like, wow, I want to, I want to grab a hold of the men and do what you're describing, Jason. I, I want them to be better leaders. I want them to be better husbands, better, uh, better business owners, better dads. Is there any way that people can get a hold of what you're doing? Is there any way that uh, you can equip people long distance, you being in California and the show being in Colorado and in New Mexico?
2: Yeah, we have, um, we have, we call it our, our men's strategy, uh, our Anchored Man strategy. You can find out about it at anchoredman.com. And we have a video-based curriculum that takes men through like a five-session uh, boot camp. Uh, everything's online. And um, really, you, you you know that one of my passions is um, reaching the kind of guys who would not normally show up at a church Function, yeah. you know, like a ch- a church men's retreat or things like that. So that's why we don't really do men's ministry at our church. I know semantics. We call it men's strategy, which is helping guys um, win in every area of their life. And when you start helping guys win at home in their finances at work, etc., then um, you'll build a, a strong. A leadership team at a church. And that's our, our ultimate goal. And then again, the, the, the kids benefit, the, the family, the community benefits from strong, godly men leading out of a servant heart.
1: And it, it's probably the men's strategy. And I know you mentioned it's semantics, but men's strategy versus men's ministry, which is, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, part of the reason why you would never have a pancake breakfast <laughs> you know, we had one. I think it was after you
2: left. Just to be ironic, yeah. In the church world, the, the pancake breakfast was always the hey. Let's let's ask guys to come on a Saturday morning. They're one day off at six a.m., so they can't sleep in. And let's tell them we're going to talk about pornography, the very thing they're trying to hide from everyone in their life. And that's uh, many churches' main strategy. <laughs> so, uh, but we actually, just to be ironic, had a pancake breakfast. I think right after you left, being on staff at Daybreak, more of it was a joke than well,
1: and and what you just did is you just planted a seed in many perhaps men's leaders minds like wait <laughs> that's what we do that's what we do in our church and now they're intrigued what do you do differently <laughs> how do how do you have yeah. a men's ministry or men's strategy that doesn't include can- pancake breakfast on a saturday morning talking about pornography yeah well more information you said what at anchoredman.com yeah sure they go to anchoredman.com and there's lots of information there Okay, cool. Uh, so we're going to take another quick break. We're running low on time, but we'll take one more break, and then I want to ask you about some of the secret, the, the the best secrets and leadership nuggets that you've ever learned, and been, and perhaps somebody else has taught you something that you've grasped onto. So we're going to talk about that right after the break.
0: You're listening to Leader Worth Following with Matt Mizell, right here on Vertical Radio. This is leader worth following, with Matt Mizell, right here on Vertical Radio.
1: All right, welcome back to Vertical Radio. This is Matt Mizell, and you are listening right now on KNMI. And Jason Graves from Daybreak Church out in Carlsbad, California, is hanging with us tonight. Thank you so much, Jason, for spending some time with us. We only have a couple more minutes because we've been kind of going all over the place regarding men's strategy and uh humility and leaders but uh, i do want to dig into in our last few minutes together the secret sauce to leadership as as defined by jason grave so what would be some of the, the the best things that you have ever learned that that really work well in leading people as a humble leader as a servant leader what's some of the best things that people can perhaps start with if they want to start being a christ-like godly leader Uh, number one for me above all else
2: is that, and this is just stealing straight from John Maxwell. People are your greatest resource and they are not to be used. So they're not a resource that you just use up, Mm. but as goes your team, um, so goes your organization, your business, your church. And so for me, I'm really clear about my job and that is to make sure that my team love working with me, yeah. that they um, have a sense of value, a sense of um, clarity in their purpose and what we are, ex- are expecting of them. And then to do my best to empower them to say yes to decisions without me having to, you know, mm. it really is all about recruiting and developing the right people to create a culture. Um, so for me, creating a culture where people want to work, where they can thrive, where they can try things and mess up and then try again, um, you're going to attract people to that team. And as,
1: as successful as that team is, your organization will be. And thinking through the lines of perhaps somebody that's not a pastor, not a CEO, not a business owner, Mm -hmm. what would you tell the, the young up and coming leader who says, well, I'm, I'm not hiring a team. I'm not building anything like that at this point, mm-hmm. but I want to be a good leader. What would you tell them perhaps in preparation to be the leader you just described? I, I can't think of a sphere
2: where it doesn't apply to start building a team. That team might be you and one other person for a while. If you're starting up, I mean, if someone's starting even a, a, a small business, uh, wants to be an entrepreneur in some way yeah see if you can find someone else that you like being around who can add value because they're good at something that you're not. And maybe that team is just you and that one other person. It might be you and your wife or your girlfriend or your best friend or your brother for a while. But the, the power of team leadership, hmm. even if it starts with just two, I think it applies to every sphere of leadership.
1: That's good. Well, uh, we're running low on time. Like I mentioned a moment ago, but, oh, uh, If you were to give advice for other people to continue learning, you mentioned John Maxwell a moment ago, but who else has shaped you as a leader? What other people could other others that are listening to right now get connected to based on who has helped you become a better leader? I don't know if I have any
2: secret people that others wouldn't be aware of. Um, For me personally, Craig Groeschel um, is one of, I think the best leaders that applies to every sphere of organizations, whether it's church world business or anything. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that his podcast is so succinct
1: and so clear. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of Craig Rochelle. And you can just type that in and search for Craig Rochelle. His last name spelled kind of funny, but I'm sure if you, even if you misspell it, yeah. Yeah. I think you'll- good luck.
2: (laughs) He's the pastor of Life
1: Church, but um, he has a, a Craig
2: Rochelle leadership podcast. And what that will do, I would call that a portal into
1: so many other cuz he just interviews the best of the best in so many spheres. Uh and we talked about anchoredman.com earlier but what are other ways if somebody wanted to reach out to you Jason how can they get a hold of you? <laughs> I'm <in> hiding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't. <laughs> but uh, <yeah. laughs>
2: No, I mean it's not it's pretty easy to find me. Our our church website is daybreakchurch.org and um Those are the two places that are easiest to find me. I'm on social media as well, but um, yeah, that's the way to find (laughs) me. Awesome. Well, uh, one depends yeah, what they yeah. want to find me oh, for a million dollars for you jason <laughs>
1: oh, uh, <laughs> uh, well let me give you my phone number then
0: <laughs>
1: well as as we wrap up our time together tonight what is what's the one message if you could leave people to encourage them to challenge them to inspire them what's the one thing related to christ-like godly leadership that you would challenge them with be yourself um it's so much more fun it's so much less
2: stressful Um, God has given you giftings and so as you discover what those are lean into those giftings, develop those giftings
1: and let other people succeed in the areas in which they are gifted. Amen. Awesome. Well Jason, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you and and, uh, even though you're in hiding, I'm sure some people may want to reach out to you and track you down and find find you, especially those who have your money your bag of money. Uh, But thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you man and thank you for your time.
2: Oh, I love you too. I miss having you around, but I'm I'm, I'm glad to see you just flourish and succeed in, uh, in ministry and in all the other endeavors that God has gifted you with. Mm. You're a
1: great brother. Thanks, buddy. Jason is one of those guys that has literally changed the course of my life, and I can't thank you enough. Jason, thanks so much for joining us on tonight's episode. Next week, friends, I am stoked because we have a guy that has also shaped the direction of my life. He's the author of one of the best-selling business books of all time. He's a leadership guru who built a leadership empire with all offices in multiple countries and on multiple continents. He's one of the world's leading experts when it comes to leadership and he's going to be on our show. Join me next week as I interview Ken Blanchard. If you've never heard that name before, go Google it and then join me again next Sunday to hear all the tips and tricks from one of the best leaders in the world. Thanks for joining us tonight and we'll see you next week. Don't just be a leader, be a leader worth following.
0: Thanks for listening to Leader Worth Following. With Matt Mizell, right here on Vertical Radio. Produced by Sean Kelly and Devin Neely. For more information, visit LeaderWorthFollowing.com. Leader Worth Following.